And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Clary. On this podcast, I have candid interviews with execs, celebrities, politicians, and other notable figures, all who have achieved success through both wins and losses, to learn more about their life, their ideas, and their insights. I sit down with leaders and mentors and unpack their story to help pass those lessons on to others through both experiences and tactical strategy for business professionals, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story Podcast. All right. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, today, I'm sitting down with Kevin Makeley. Uh, very excited. Um, now, Kevin is actor-producer. He's known for Badland, uh, Zeroville, Big Legend. And if you look on his IMDb, there's a whole bunch of other um, uh, notable works that he's been in. Uh, but right now, um, I'm excited to speak with Kevin for a variety of reasons. But uh, Badland is an indie western that he produced and he starred in um, alongside uh, country singer Trace Atkins, uh, Golden Globe winner Mira Sorvino, and Bruce Dern. Um, and right now, uh, Badland is is doing incredibly well on Netflix. So the story, the, the short premise is it tells about uh, a gunslinging detective, uh, Matthias Breacher, played by, by uh, Kevin, who is hired to track down Confederate war criminals. And it hit Netflix uh, two Fridays ago. Um, it started out at number three on Netflix's movie chart and number seven overall uh, on Netflix's entire library, and that's uh, 167 million subscribers. I just pulled those stats and obviously thousands of movies. Um, so that's, uh, that's incredible. So, so Kevin, um, I want to speak about, first of all, thank you for, for sitting down. Um, I, I want to, uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to chat about Badland, but I also want to, I want to speak about, like, I just want to get a little bit of context about, about you, about like who, who Kevin is, you know, you're acting now. Is this something you've done and wanted to do your whole life? Just walk us through like your, your story. Cool. You have five hours. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Feel free to cut me off anytime, but uh, we'll go back to the beginning. No, uh, yes, I, I've been acting for over 20 years uh, professionally. Uh, not successfully, <laughs> but professionally. Uh, you know, it's been a long, hard road. Uh, you know, my creative outlet when I was younger uh, was musician. Obviously, I mean, you could, you know, I, I, I play bass. I was in a lot of bands. I used to have hair down here, uh, and uh, you know, the acting bug. You know, when I, I was a kid, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, you know, it was just my mother and my brother. We grew up in the woods in upstate New York, in Poughkeepsie, New York. And I didn't have any male role models. So, uh, and my mother was a big movie buff. She was like, she was a huge Trekkie. So every night at 6 p.m., we would eat dinner, you know, in between uh, her nine to five and her night job. We would sit down and watch, uh, we would eat dinner and watch Star Trek. Uh, and that's, you know, that's how I grew up. And every weekend, uh, we would go to the movies and see Whatever. You know, I'm an, I'm an 80s kid, so we would see E.T., Star Wars, you know, Return of the Jedi, Jaws. It, di it didn't matter. Well, Jaws is in the 70s, but it didn't matter if it was rated R or not. My mom was pretty cool like that. Uh, yeah. You know, she just wanted to see whatever was the new cool movie. You know, she was a young mom. She wanted to see movies, uh, and she had two young kids. And, you know, it's not like today we sit home and I can order Trolls World Tour at home and put, you know, put my kids on the couch and they can watch. We would have to go to the movies. So we a a anything that she wanted to see and take us to see, we went, you know, we would wait in line, blockbuster lines, you know, back in the day. Uh, so we grew up in movies, TV and music. My mother's, a, a, you know, a pianist. So she, uh, you know, music filled the house. 
Uh, and I, I always thought acting, you know, was an unattainable, you know, it was for those people. You know, the movie stars did the acting. Uh, but my mom bought me a bass when I was 14 and I was very into, you know, playing bands, rock and roll, heavy metal, you know, I was into all that stuff. And then, you know, when I got to be, you know, later, you know, 19, 20 or whatever, I, I could, you know, I started seeing, th- you know, like, like looking into that world a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, the New York City was just a train ride away, and uh, one day there was an open call. I used to get Backstage magazine. I don't know if anybody knows what it is, but it's this, you know, it was an actual paper, and <laughs> it, it follow about acting and news and this and that. And in the back of it, it had like classified ads, and there was this open call for a Woody Allen movie called Celebrity. I think it was '98, and uh, you know, I called up my good friend Wade Griffin, and I said, "Wade, we're gonna take the train." You know, you're going to be my sports system. I'm going to go do this open call for this movie. We're going to go for it, man. I'm going to go for it. And I did. It was my first audition, my first anything. And it was, you know, what we call a cattle call, which is basically a thousand people lining up around the block to go into audition. So we, you know, I finally got in, in the room and there was Woody Allen. I'm probably eight hours, six to eight hours online. I mean, forever, all day long. I uh, got wow. in and didn't have to <laughs> audition or anything, but you just talk to Woody Allen. I mean, he took the time to talk to everybody. It was Woody Allen. I mean, Woody Allen. I'm like, wow, this is happening. I'm like, the veil was lifted. And, yeah. you know, the Hollywood, you know, mystique kind of, you know, whisked away for a second. There was Woody Allen. And he was so nice. And he gave me my two minutes. He talked to me. And I went about, you know, went on with my day. And they wrote notes on my picture. And, and, and I left and, you know, couldn't get it out of my head. Oh, no, what did I do? You know, just, you know, that whole thing. And then like a month later, I get a phone call. I got the gig. And, uh, you know, it was just glorified background. You know, I was an extra. But I got the gig. I was on a movie. I got to walk on set. And uh, I wound up having like a feature role, no lines, but I was like the cool guy getting out of a limo, going to a nightclub with some girls. And, you know, and I, it was it was really cool. I had a good time. Uh, so we shot that all day and I got to talk to Woody Allen. It was very nice again, you know, and, and he treated me like I was just one of the regular actors. It was really cool, really cool experience. And then about six weeks, eight weeks, four weeks, whatever, a little time after that, I get a call again from the same people. Uh, they have to reshoot the scene. They had a problem with the actress that was in the scene. They have to reshoot the scene. So we reshoot the scene, and uh, and it's Charlize Theron, who is now in the movie. And uh, she wasn't really anybody back then. I think she did a movie Two Days in the Valley at that time, So, but she was an up-and-coming. Uh, so we reshot the scene. My role got truncated quite a bit, but uh, I'm still in it, and I still got to work on it. And that was really my introduction into the film business. And then I realized, wow, if I keep working at this, I can do this. I, I, there's no reason I can't do this. So uh, it was hard to balance the bands and the pursuits of the acting dream because, you know, a band is 150% commitment and yeah. acting is 150% commitment. And it was very hard to, to, to do both. So uh, I still play, but I, I, I quit the band and did everything I could do to move to New York City. Uh, you know, I worked like five jobs, you know, between Poughkeepsie and New York. And I commuted until I could find, you know, save up enough money and find a place. And then I moved to New York City. And, and that's how I started the whole uh, thing. But I was a, a personal trainer was my day job uh, in New York City when I was, you know, and then uh, one thing led to and I'd say, I told you, I'm long winded. And that's just the first audition. No, no, it's good. Well, like, so like it makes a lot of sense because the second you decided to sort of like run after this pursue it, it's when that, that veil was lifted like that, that it turned from like a, an esoterical into like a tangible. And I actually yes. really like that story a lot. Cause it's still not easy. Like you're still working five jobs and you're like, and to be honest, man, like deciding between playing in a band or being an actor, those are both to start very low, <laughs> low paying gigs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, I'm an artist at heart, man. So, yeah. You got to express yourself, you know, and I, you know, it was all, you know, oh, you know, the, the, you know, was in a rock band and a heavy metal band was, you know, one of the highlights of my life. We used to play gigs and people, yeah. you know, dancing and moshing and, you know, and, and it's screaming it's a lot of in your songs. And, you know, it's, it's so fulfilling. But uh, yeah, I got the acting bug and, and I didn't look back. 
So, so how did the how did the career progress? Like, how did you get to like you know acting is not is not producing? So what like just walk through. You don't have to go through like every single thing you've done because I know you've done a lot. But um, just walk through that if you can. Uh, well, so yeah, so I I finally you know made my way to New York City, and you know you have to be there to do the auditioning, and I I ran I, you know I ran the gamut. I had a little bit on on Sex in the City. I had a you know, a little bit on The Sopranos, all uncredited, just on screen, you know, like uh, a lot of featured background stuff. Uh, you know, I walked through all those shows, you know, as there were all the soaps that were on, I had little parts on them. And, I, you know, I did all that. And, and New York really wasn't, you know, it was kind of on the decline for uh, productions at the time. So uh, well, I actually had a little role in Beautiful Mind in that time as well. And I did some commercials. I got my SAG card, you know, things were off and running. And I met a gentleman named Joseph Middleton, who's a really big casting director. Uh, and most recently, I think he was the VP of casting at Paramount for quite a few years. But at this time, he was on his own, and we became good friends. We had a mutual friend, became good friends, and he really influenced me to move to Los Angeles. He said, you know, you have to be in Los Angeles, uh, you know, because that's where it's happening. So I... I I left, you know, I mean, that's the commitment. You have to make the commitment, you know, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, you know, I was there during 9-11. I was there, you know, I was born and raised in New York. I'm a New Yorker. Uh, but I made the move and, you know, I pursued the dream. You know, I'm, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. And, you know, so I made the way to LA. And then, you know, oh, like this, so many close calls and ups and downs and ups and downs. And I don't want to say I quickly learned because I didn't quickly learn. It took me decades, but it's a business where you, the only control you have is over your own instrument. You have no control of what anybody else is going to do. Uh, you just there's just no control over it. You 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 know you get an audition, you spend as much time as you can possibly spend on that audition or whatever whatever it is. You get a role, you work on the role, you do all that. You you know, uh, but you get this audition and and you know sometimes you have an hour, sometimes you have three days to rehearse a, a page, ten pages, doesn't matter. You go in the room, you do it, you do your best. And then you leave and you get a call, you don't get a call. And usually, you don't, you know, nine times out of 10, you don't. And, and, and I want to say it has a lot to do with, it doesn't have a lot to do with your performance uh, because you can give an amazing performance, but there's a hundred other people giving the same performance or different levels of a performance. Uh, you know, it could be 10 people, it could be 300 yeah. people. But there's a lot of people up for it. So only one person can get the role. So there's not a, you don't have a lot of control over that. So at, at one point, I decided, you know, there's there's a lot of people between you and yes. Mm -hmm. And at what point, you know, I'm the kind of guy, you know, I'm a, I was a, a bodybuilder for a spell, you know, all natural, no steroids, uh, you know, in a band, you know, doing the yeah. band. I, I, a personal trainer, I always perform myself at, you know, 150%, whatever I do. And then I, it took me a long time to realize, but you know, that I wasn't in control of this at all. I can only be in control as much work that I do, but once I do the work, it's... So at one point I decided, you know what? Why can't I just make my own movies, do the movies that I want to do? Uh, and, I, and I found a group of like-minded people that were, you know, that felt the same way in all different aspects from, from shooting the film, from, you know, the director of photography to producers to casting directors to, you know, directors and writers and, you know, all these people that are struggling the same way that I am, you know, uh, I don't say we're all masters, but, you know, masters at their craft, but mm -hmm. not successful uh, monetarily, not, not out there. Uh, and we all kind of banded together and, and, you know, people come and go within that group, but the core is there. And we started making our own movies and they resonated a little bit. We wound up getting, you know, we've made five films to date, five films. And, uh, you know, I produced them, you know, from start to finish. Uh, I don't, I star in three of them, two of them I'm, you know, I'm just kind of in, uh, but helped to make them for everybody else. And, you know, we got the first three got distributed by Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. The second two got distributed by a company called Synodyme Entertainment. And the most recent one is Badland. And it got distributed, you know, I mean, you know, 20 years in the making, this career of mine. I mean, you know, it's, it's seemingly an overnight success. Nobody heard of Kevin Makeley, you know, <laughs> you know, and now all of a sudden, you know, 40 million people saw my latest movie. 
it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, but so Cinedime Entertainment put it out, and they have a good connection with Netflix. Uh, the cast was very, you know, it's a great cast: Mir Sorvino, Bruce Stern, Wes Studi, Trace Atkins, Jeff Fay, Tony Todd, Amanda Wiss, Kevin Makeley, and uh, they put it on uh, Netflix. And it took off. I mean, it just organically took off. There was no marketing. There was no anything. So I went from, you know, the guy who took the train to a, a cattle call audition, you know, an hour and 45 minutes of cattle call audition, you know, then traversed to another coast, you know, did all that, all the auditions and all the struggling and, you know, struggling to pay my rent and not knowing where I was going to live because this is happening and that's that. All these, all these things, you know, and along the way I've worked with, Russell Crowe, I've worked with Ron Howard, I've worked with uh, Billy Bob Thornton, I've worked with Naomi Watts, you know, all these huge actors, Oscar winners along the way, little parts, but here and there, made all these little like, oh, I can't believe this is happening, you know, all these ups and downs. And then, and then finally, you know, it's all about, you want your work seen, your hard work seen. And, and uh, organically, this movie that we sweat blood for went to Netflix and there was no marketing push. It just, March 26th, what's new on Netflix? 20 movies and Badland. And all of a sudden, Badland just, psh, the number three watched movie on the whole website, number seven in the overall, you know, yeah. and, uh, and now I'm talking to you. And it's, you know, it, and it's, uh, what a ride, man. What a ride. It's so how does cool. that happen? Like, I have no idea. I'm not, <laughs> I, I have, how does something like that happen? Because you're seeing this more and more. And I'm seeing some of these these movies come up that um, that didn't have the you know fifty million dollar marketing budget. You know what I mean? Like, it's you know, incredible. It's, it, we're in a weird time, obviously. You know, yeah. the coronavirus pandemic. A lot of people are home watching movies. You know, and and I think I, I can't wrap my head around it. Right on one side, there's you know uh, millions of people are home streaming. You know. So much. I mean, like in Europe, they had to downgrade the the quality of the streaming because so many people are watching and there's not enough bandwidth. You know, it hasn't quite hit that here yet. I think we have a pretty strong internet, you know, in America. But you know, they're talking about it. I mean, that's how many people are streaming at the same time. Record numbers. So so many eyeballs on 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 the, the streaming services. So what are the chances that they're going to pick my movie? You know what I mean? But at the same time, so many eyeballs on it, and they picked my movie and so many people picked it that yeah. it rose to the top. So, you know, what was it? It was it because there were so many people because you think the more people that are watching something, the chances go down for all of them to look at your thing. But at the same time, with so many people watching it, the chances go up. I don't know. It's a, it, you know, it's a crazy, uh, I think I'm yeah. talking a sense here, but I think, you know, no, 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 you're not, no, you're not. But you know what I think it speaks to, I think it speaks to, um, the quality of the content because, uh, you it could go both ways, right? So you look at the other things that are are um, I don't know, uh, very popular on Netflix. Like the only one I can really think of right now, outside of what's going on with Badland right now, is was Tiger King, and you know that one took off, but it's not positive reviews. If I look at the reviews of Badland on your Instagram or just even on, like anywhere you see the reviews are all very positive, like, you know, solid Western flick, like all like very, very good reviews about the quality. Nobody is saying good things about Tiger King. They're saying it's an absolute shit show and it's entertainment, but it's not quality. It's not quality content. So it's like, it's, you can't take your eyes off. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the content of what you're watching is like a train wreck, but the people that made that film, were super talented to be able to put that whole story together that the documentarians as you yeah. call whatever that you know uh the people that produced that that show are are great you know but the but the content yeah i mean it's like watching something on jeffrey dahmer you know like you can't take your eyes off it but you know it's a terrible thing to watch but you yeah. know some made it and it's entertaining so but to speak on 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 badland uh yeah you know it's it's a western i don't know maybe the the timing was right uh, I mean, I, I like to think we shot a great Western. I know we have a fantastic cast. I mean, you know, my 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 cast is unbelievable, and I'm so honored and privileged to have you know shared the screen with each and every one of those amazingly talented people. Uh, but it's also a tale, you know, it's a, it's a tale of the American West. You know, it's a it's a, a fictional tale, you know, loosely based on some kind of historic events, sort of, uh, but not really. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, I mean. 
the, you know, the, the period was right. We, you know, the costumes were right. The, the, the guns were period. All of that stuff was accurate. You know, the time period was accurate. Just the story obviously was fictionalized, but uh, you know, the, I find that Westerns are the mythology of, of America. They're, they're, you know, uh, Jesse James, you know, is, is the Robin hood of, of, you know, the old West of America, you know, uh, uh, Billy the kid and all these guys, you know, they're the King Arthur. They're, they're the, these larger than life people that have been told in stories passed down to generation and generation, uh, you know, much like, you know, King Arthur and the round table and Excalibur and, you know, uh, and now, you know, these are our stories and we're home bonding over this, you know, this pandemic, this crisis, and maybe people are feeling nostalgic for, for an American in tale and it came out at that time and if if badland is filling that you know giving a little escapism or or filling that need for something you know home grown uh i i'm honored and, and 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 touched that we can be that platform for people to watch and escape a little bit so. i I, th- I think i think that could be accurate um i think that i think that you know you don't see a ton of westerns come out anymore i don't like i'm just thinking back like, i don't remember a, like I, I can name a few but like there's not like an influx of of western movies being being made so i think that the timing was right i think that yeah it could be a little bit nostalgia i think people are are looking for things that you know maybe they've maybe it's just they they're looking for things they've never heard of before and they found a like you know the, the hidden gem and they're they're sort of latching on to that because I think it's just I think there is you know it's it's not a it's obviously not a great circumstance what we're dealing with obviously but um it could be the per- perfect storm of events that's leading people to consume other types of content that isn't like that blockbuster you know heavily promoted heavily produced content and I think people enjoy that stuff too because like like has an indie I'm not I'm not as involved in film as you obviously but has an indie film ever received this much notoriety on Netflix do you know I don't think I, so. No, but you know, if you go back in in history, like Slumdog Millionaire was like that, you know, yeah. went from nothing to huge, you know, or go back. I mean, that's a you know a foreign film. But if you go to you know think of like uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, for example, this little movie was just a little indie film. I mean, it did the festival circuit, it did all that, but it blew up into a phenomenon. Uh, different medium. Obviously, it was in the theaters. It was really before the whole streaming revolution. But, you know, I find that the streaming, you know, this is uh, and this is part of the reason why I think my company, Pop Oxpress, my production company, uh, you know, we're a little let's say we're a little, you know, riding the crest of the wave where we have the streaming in mind. And what I think for uh, an independent film is, you know, everybody wants their film up in the movies, you know, every, every independent filmmaker, you know, if I could shoot on film and put it in the movies, you know, Oh, and that's what we want to do. The reality is, you know, blockbusters are going to the movies. Uh, Theatrical releases are getting smaller and smaller. It's very expensive to put them out. You need a huge marketing budget to put them out. Uh, Independent films, you know, you're struggling to get enough money to shoot your film, let alone do any marketing for your film. So, you know, you're, you have to gear it towards, you know, a smaller release and uh, streaming leveled the playing field for independent films, uh, you know, competing. I mean, you never I'm never going to compete with Hobbs and Shaw or I, I mean, at the independent level, maybe we'll make a movie. You yeah, know, you never know. <laughs> in a rock. That'd be awesome. I can dream. Uh, come this far, right? Yeah. Rock, talking to you. Uh, anyway, um, but but, you know, I, we can release. Badland, you know, the same week digitally as Hobbs and Shaw or the Avengers or, uh, you know, even Hostels is a, a big Western that came out last year, the year before, a fantastic Western. And, you know, and then you look on iTunes or Amazon Prime or Netflix, you know, depending on when they're all released. And there they are. It's, you know, Hobbs and Shaw, Badland, you know, Hostels, you know, all the, you know, the, yeah. the key, all the little, the, you know, the what you can click on it. It's all it's all right there in a row and i mean you know before streaming it you wouldn't go to the multiplex and see you know uh, i don't know raiders of the lost ark and you know empire strikes back and badland and you know you didn't, yeah. you didn't see that you know and it was impossible but now 
you know, they all wind up going through you. Once you have your big theatrical, they all wind up going through the same system. You go on the premium streaming to the streaming services like uh, like Netflix and Amazon free with Prime. Then you go to like a Tubi free with ads or you go to HBO. You do all you know, you do that whole thing. It's the same. Once it's out of the theater, it's the same process for everybody. Maybe you get Redbox, you know, so you can still rent the DVDs. They all get a DVD or a Blu-ray release. Ours is, you know, you can buy Badland on Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, at Walmart or Target, Best Buy, uh, it went through all that stuff. It just didn't have the big theatrical release because there's not enough marketing to put behind it. So I think the streaming age for independent filmmakers leveled the playing field. So if you if you if you follow your dream and you and you work hard and you get like-minded people and you make a quality product with quality talent, like you have to have names that are recognizable. That's one of the one of the things as an independent filmmaker. If I can give any advice out there, if you're making your passion project. Find a way to carve out a little extra money and get a, get a name in your movie. It doesn't have to be the lead if you're writing it around yourself like I often do. Uh, you know, obviously I'm in my own movies. It should be a good enough part, you know, that will attract a, a named actor. And because otherwise uh, a distributor probably won't put it out, you know, statistically – People don't really watch movies that don't have a name. I, I don't like the formula, but you have it's that's the business side of it. Uh, but anyway, if you put a name and you and, and you make a good movie, you can be released next to I don't know why I keep saying Hobbs and Shaw. It's just the movie that's stuck in my brain. <laughs> you know, you can get released next to Hobbs and Shaw or, or you know or Logan or you know any of these you know movies that are. Do you think? Are, are, yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I understand. So like Netflix already disrupted a lot of like the the movie, industry, but now it's now it's enabling another level of disruption because you don't have that cultural attitude that you go see the blockbusters in the theaters. Because now we we legally, well, not even legally, besides the fact that they're closed, we legally can't even leave our homes, or we're gonna get fined, right? Like so, so you know i'm i'm curious what your thoughts are on and this is obviously very hypothetical um as most people are trying to figure out what the world is going to look like on the other side of coronavirus but how do you think uh coronavirus is going to impact the movie industry you know i, I very I, I have been thinking about this a lot uh you know i might get you know <laughs> I, I don't know i think you know i I always try to look at, you know, I'm a, I'm a glasses half full kind of guy. I always try to look on the bright side, especially in this business. So obviously this is the worst thing that's happened to us since 9-11. I mean, or, or even, you know, there's other terrible things. And I mean, this is awful. We're losing lives. Uh, you know, I'll take this opportunity to say, stay home, stay home. Everybody stay home. You know, they, they, people people go to war and die for this country. People go to war and die for their own country. This is this is a world thing. This is World War Three, basically. But it's it's one enemy and it's silent and it's deadly, and you can't see it coming. You know, the, and the only defense uh, is is to stay home. I mean, for the majority, that we're working on you know on vaccines and stuff. But uh, if all that's being asked of us as a human race is to stay home to beat this thing. I mean, come on, it can't be easier than that. I know it's tough. You want to see your friends, you want to whatever, but you know what? You'll see them in two months and just stay home, please. But with that being said, uh, it's a horrible thing. But if you can look on the brighter side, I think the movie business has been changing, you know, much like I I've seen as an actor, I've seen, you know, we went from, uh, you know, I I black and white headshots to colored headshots to digital headshots, to no more headshots, and just a, uh, you know, just a, a thumbnail you click on it, you know, like, I've seen all that stuff from, you know, being paid, you know, $80,000 over a year to be in a commercial to, to you know, because it ran on network television, to being paid, you know, uh, $8,000 for being on a commercial. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show, and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. 
There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. So that was played 7,000 times, but because it was on, you know, all the cable channels and everything, you don't get, you know, all of the different, it it, always seem as as a a business or as a community that the filmmaking business, you know, from actors to producers, big budget films to indie films, is we're always behind the, the technological curve. We're always behind it. And trying to catch up. Uh, that applies to the Screen Actors Guild and all the guilds that make the rules, and then the formats change. And you know, uh, you know. So how do you how do you stay ahead of it? And I think, you know, Netflix changed the world for us. Uh, for indie filmmakers, I think it improved it for us. At least our ability to be seen. The digital age of digital cameras and and moving away from film change the game for indie filmmakers. It makes it a lot less expensive. I can edit the movie myself on the same laptop I'm talking to you on right now. Yeah. And some of Badland was, was done. I did all, actually all the extras on the DVDs I did on the computer that we're talking to each other right now. I did them myself. Uh, I had a brilliant editor on his crazy, uh, Michael Tang edited the film on his crazy setup, but the DVDs extras were on a laptop. You, you know, it doesn't get more simple than that. So long-winded, but... Everything is shifting, and either you're going to stay ahead of that shift, or or you're or you're going to play catch up. And I think you know the movie business, the, the uh, theatrical business, uh, it's really shifting, right? Smaller movies aren't getting seen theatrically. There's more of these what we call them small day and date releases, which is like what what we do. It comes out in like 15 cities, very limited, very small, maybe 15, 20 theaters tops. And on the same day, it's released on premium video on demand. So if you say, you know, like on Spectrum or Dish or whatever, in theaters now, you can watch this movie uh, at home and it's in theaters. But it's not in a theater within 100 miles of you, but it's in theaters, you know, and and a lot of things are shifting that way. And really only like blockbusters are getting made because that's what's attracting the audience. That's what's worth the money. But at some point, it's, it's shifting. And I think that the coronavirus, as awful as it is, was the wake-up call for the big studios to change tactics, to really, and again, this is outside looking at my opinion. Uh, it was the wake-up call. Like, just the other day, uh, I bought, where I rented Trolls World Tour. I have two daughters, a, a three-and-a-half-year-old and a two-year-old, and they love the Trolls. And, you know, I, I remember seeing the preview. Yeah, they were all excited. We were going to see Trolls when it comes out, and then this happened. And then they just released it. It's a movie that's supposed to be out in theaters. And for $19.99, I think actually when I rented on Prime was $18.99, we get it for 48 hours and I can watch it in my home. Is it the cinematic experience? No. But we got to watch it and they're not losing their shirt. So, you know, and uh, because you can't, you know, release dates and things, you can't just push it out to nowhere that, you know, they have projections and they have things that, you know, it's a business. They have all of all these things. So I think this was the wake-up call to change the way that they approach releasing a, a film. And I'm sure they've been working on it, so you know it's a, not an archaic system. But uh, I think this forced everybody's hand to change. I mean, Disney released Frozen 2 on Disney Plus before it even really came out on Blu-ray or anything. And I, we already own Disney Plus, so for $6 a, a month – oh, no, it came out on Blu-ray because we had rented one time – but. But for $6 a month, I'm, I'm getting Frozen, which I, I would have bought if Disney Plus wasn't out. If I didn't have Disney Plus, I would have bought it. Uh, I mean, I own an incredible Disney library that I almost wish I didn't spend all that money on because now we get to watch them all streaming. Uh, but they released it because people were home. They did it, you know, people were, it was going to drive business to, towards their 
streaming net, you know, to, towards yeah. Disney. So they released it way early uh, than they normally would have. People are shifting gears to accommodate, to adapt. Where does it go from here? I don't know. I think it's going to take time for people to, to feel comfortable to go back to the theaters. And I think that by the time it catches back up to normal the, or whatever the new normal is, the impact is going to be so large that this really forced the hands of the big companies, the you know, theatrical release companies, to change the way that the, their approach to it. And I think... I think it's going to save them in the long run because mm -hmm. they're taking this time now instead of just sitting on their butts and losing all the money, they're shifting gears and how do we get ahead of this and plan for the future. And so I think, unfortunately, you know, the lemonade side of the coronavirus for the film industry is that maybe it'll save it. Maybe, you know, it's the fire that was lit under their butt to change the way that they do business to to adapt to the future, to the changing landscape of the digital age wow. but also also it it opens up the doors for independent talent because now like you mentioned i, I love the analogy where like you know hobbs and shell we'll use that analogy again you have all the you have all the titles side by side so that's something that's unprecedented so now it's going to force it's going to force the whole industry to modernize and to and to better serve customers where the customers want to consume their content which is very important and that's what other that's how other how other industries are being forced to modernize. It may not always be content, but it's about convenience, right? That's that's number one. But it's also I love that it's like it's just it's removing that you know that multi million dollar uh, uh you know requirement to put stuff out, which all which to be quite honest makes everything better because the second you just open up more uh, competition, now you have not to say that the stuff that people make isn't already incredible in terms of blockbuster movies, but still you have that extra, we still have to make it that much better because this is what we're being held accountable to. And imagine if the respect uh, an independent producer can, can garner if they produce content that is perceived by the audience to be the same quality as a $100 million blockbuster movie. Right. That's, that's a big deal. Right. That's I agree. And I, I guess say like, you, Badland, for instance, I'll yeah. tell you how much it costs, but it's, yeah, that's fine. It's that's fine. I mean, it's expensive if if you were writing a check. You know, if I was writing a check, if, you know, if you, if you know, Donald Trump was writing a check, not an expensive movie, but <laughs> or right, you know, expensive by you know, anyway. By, but, uh, yeah, yeah. As far as films go, not an expensive film. Uh, but who knows that? Nobody knows that. You know, I mean, I'm saying it to you, but when you watch it on, you know, the mystique is when you watch it on Netflix. It's a movie. You're not saying, oh, well, it's good for a little independent movie, which is really what, you know, I have so many people that are friends that make movies and, you know, their their benchmark is it's good for that budget. And I don't ever strive for that. And, and this is another bit of advice for any indie filmmaker or anybody. Don't make it good for your budget. Just make a good movie period it's not never strive for good for the budget and i hear it all the time well we gave it our best shot at, you know it's great for the budget i don't you know i don't i don't believe in that i think you know you 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 make the best movie for the budget you you have you don't make it good for the budget you take the budget you have and you make a great movie whatever whatever you have to do uh you know but when you, you get to netflix it has to netflix comes with a certain I mean, I'm not saying every movie on Netflix is, you know, a five-star movie, obviously. And, and it's all subjective, right? Some people love Badlands. Some people hate Badlands. Some people, you know, love Star Wars. Some people hate Star Wars. You know, obviously Star Wars, you know, it's a, has a big influence on me. It's a big Star Wars picture behind me. Uh, but, you know, uh, but, you know, so it's, you know, subjective. But you can't take away the quality of a movie. You know, if it's a good quality movie, you might not like the subject matter or the actors or uh, you might not like a performance or whatever. Uh, you know, somebody wins an Oscar, you're like, why? That, they were terrible, but they won an Oscar, so somebody thought they were great. You know, like, it's all subjective. Uh, but just, you know, just, so, so you put it on Netflix and there's a, you know, there's a quality level, production quality, whoever. And once it's on there, nobody knows the difference. They, they, I don't even know if people are thinking, oh, I didn't even see it in the movies, you know, so it must not be good because it wasn't in the movies. I don't know what people think, but I know, uh, I mean, for instance, again, I'm not really, you know, I, I, kind of an overnight success at this point, but like two months ago, it was out on Redbox. And it's just a funny story. I happened to go visit my wife. She works in Santa Clarita. 
And I wanted to visit her. I, I was done early for the day and I wanted to surprise her. And I stopped at a, a Ralph's, which is our grocery store in Los Angeles. And I bought flowers and bam, and it was just released on Redbox a couple of days ago. So I stopped to see, is it in this red box? You know, and I have flowers in my hand and there were two red boxes next to each other. And there's a guy next to me looking at me, you know, looking, looking at me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh, and, and I think, you know, I get sometimes, uh, you know, people say, oh, you know, you look like Bradley Cooper or, you know, if uh, at the time if Wolverine is out, oh, you look like Hugh Jackman. I have that, you know, I get that, especially in LA. So people do double takes. I'm like, oh, he thinks I'm Bradley Cooper for a second. Anyway, so I leave and, he follows me into the parking lot and he taps me on the shoulder. He says, Hey, can I ask you something? And I see, and he goes, you look like a guy that I just watched in a movie. And I, I said, I said, oh, oh, really? And I said, what? I said, was it a Western? He was like, yeah, Badland. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. That's me. And he was like, oh my God. He was like, can I take a picture? Oh, it's my son's birthday. Will you do it? Like he did this whole thing. Like it was this amazing. And the guy happened to be returning Badland. And I was standing next to him. You know, that's an LA story. It only happens in that's LA. Funny. But to him, I was a movie star, not the guy that produced his own movie that happened to get it on Netflix or in Redbox. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? To him, it didn't matter. He got a DVD from Redbox or Blu-ray, whatever it was, and he put it in his, you know, his DVD player at home. Yeah. The movie came on, and and I'm a movie star. You know, so that's how people perceive it. You know, that your movie is out, and it, you know, so again, Netflix, all the digital streaming, it's leveled the playing field for you know guys like me, and you know, and and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, obviously. Yeah. He's, star and I, I love him i think he's an amazing talent uh, and what a career and what a story but you know i mean we're our movies play next to each other and it's yeah. what a what a what a cool thing it's a, it's a very i can i can only imagine it's a very um uh it's it's a, it's an incredible feeling like it's like it's the it's like the fruition of like you know years of hard work and whatnot that's like finally like you know like it's it's there it's like you're you're living through you know, what I can only hope would, you know, be like what you what you've always wanted to like sort of live through, and and then some. And I guess then you know I'm on that point. Uh, you know what's what's next for for you? Like what do you do after this? This was not a planned success. It is successful, but how do you take that and you want to sort of roll with it? You want to the next thing you do. You obviously don't want to lose that momentum. So no. I, what do you do? It, you know it's it's tough obviously right now because. Things are yeah. shut down. We're in, uh, we were in pre-production for my company, Popbox, which I have two awesome partners, Jennifer Ambrose, Sean Nightingale. We all work really hard to keep this, uh, this company afloat, especially in this time. We had a movie called Day of Reckoning on deck. Uh, it's a cool, a modern action film uh, in a rural setting and, you know, a small town cop and the bad guys are coming. And it's just a cool movie, action packed. Uh, luckily, we weren't too far into that that we're losing money right now. We just kind of, I don't want to say we pulled the plug, but we, we shut it off for a minute, you know, mm -hmm. put it on. Uh, and that's going. And in the, in the meantime, I acquired an awesome book series, my company, uh, written by this guy, Bobby Cole. Uh, the first book is called the dummy line. And it's about this character. Jake Crosby takes his nine year old daughter, uh, turkey hunting. He's an avid turkey hunter. It takes place in Alabama, Mississippi. And these bad guys that are on the run are hiding out in the woods. They come across each other. And he's forced to make a game time decision. He has to kill one of them and it changes his life and they're hiding. And it's like a survival horror thriller action. It's mm. really cool. And then there's two more books that follow. Uh, and it's a really great selling book series. Uh, so really excited about that. But right now, obviously, there's not a lot going on. And, you know, again, a blessing and a curse. Here I am, you know, I don't know if you know IMDB, if people yeah. use IMDB. My star meter, I mean, it, it fluctuates, obviously. Uh, it's been as high as 5,000 in the past, but I think it was like, like 20 something thousand. And then last week it was 500, right? So 500, which is, you know, this is like a list, you know, and unfortunately we're in a climate that people aren't saying, well, oh, you got to snatch this guy up right now and put him in this movie. That's, you know, like, cause that's normally what would happen, but it's catch 22 because did the climate create the 500 and now yeah. there's nothing to with the 500 is it you know i don't know either way i'm happy that people saw the movie you know if, if i don't make another movie i achieved something phenomenal for me and and for the team around us we should all be you know take pride in this uh but i am working to uh up the level i you know what, what would i like to do next you know i would love to take up the claws 
of Wolverine. I know Hugh Jackman hung them up and they're looking for somebody new. Why not get a fresh face? You know, I have the physicality. I'm a comic book fan. You know, that would be my dream, uh, you know, to play. You know, as an actor, I've auditioned for almost every single one of those roles. Uh, re most recently, I auditioned for Cable in Deadpool 2. And, you know, Josh Brolin was that character. And I'm fairly certain he had that role before I even auditioned for it. But I still go and audition. You know, Kevin is the guy that fills those shoes. And, you know, but now maybe I could be the guy that has the offer, you know, and other people will audition as the backup. So, you know, I'm trying to transition into that. Uh, we're hoping, you know, Hollywood takes notice and, and just, you know, but whatever happens organically, yeah. I, I'm still going to continue to do what I do. Still going to make movies, uh, make my own movies because, you know, no matter what level of success I achieve uh, outside of this, if, they, if, if Hollywood wants to bring me into the fold and, you know, which would be fantastic. Obviously, that was the original dream, the original goal. But there's nothing more satisfying than making your own movie, making your own movie and putting it out. And I got to tell you, nothing more satisfying than you and your friends and your colleagues and people that work so hard to make a movie that, you, you know, that did this and then all of a sudden did this. And yeah. we're all sharing in this in this glory, and we did it ourselves, and it happened organically. The people spoke. People watched the movie. America watched the movie, and I thank you for it. And it, there's, I, you don't get a much bigger high than that. Uh, I mean, I, I'm so excited to see where the road takes yeah. me and everybody involved. But you know, right now, I'm I'm enjoying this. You Good. Know, this Good is, for you. Congratulations, man. Seriously, congratulations. It's very, very, very impressive. Um, and let's see what happens. Let's, let's see where this goes. And, um, I, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you're, you're a great interview. We could probably chat for a bit, <laughs> but I want to, I want to wrap up this one. And, you know, maybe, maybe when this is all over the coronavirus, we do like a sit down in the future. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But, uh, um, what I, I want to, two things I'd like to ask, um, just to like bring out some insight from like your life. What would be one lesson that you would tell your younger self that would help you get to where you are today a little bit quicker? Start making movies. You know, like I, I've only been doing this part of it. Again, uh, you know, if, if you tell me to talk to my younger self, yeah. Uh, yeah. S do everything you can to start making movies. And, you know, somebody had told me probably 10 years ago when YouTube was just starting to, you know, uh, you should be making your own content, making your own content. That's where it's all going. And I'm like, yeah, how do you do that? I mean, come on, you know, I'm an actor, you know, I, you know, and, uh, I don't think I ever really ever talked like I just made myself sound like I was talking. <laughs> uh, that's, not, that's not the kind of guy I am. I don't, anyway, but uh, I, yeah, I would I would come back and be like, "Hey, talk to everybody you know. Get you know, get ten bucks from everybody and make a movie. Anything that takes, make a movie because you can do it. You can do it. And you know, uh, I'm the kind of guy. Uh, you know, like I said, one time I was a, a competitive natural bodybuilder. I had been working out, like I said, uh, you know, my whole life. Uh, since I was 14, my mother, the same year, my mother bought me a weight bench and a bass guitar. And I, you know, I did both of them. I wanted to be Getty Lee from Rush and I wanted to be Sylvester Stallone. So, you know, my, my, my two heroes and, you know, and I, and I worked so hard to achieve that for myself personally. And I never thought of it to do it for gain elsewhere. And then one day somebody said, Hey man, you should be, you should be competing bodybuilding. You know, there's this natural circuit and you, I don't know why you work out as hard as you do. I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I do. I don't, you know, so I wound up competing in my first competition. I, I won the whole thing and I went professional and, you know, so I, I was in that circuit for a little while and it was because of all the hard work I did prior to it. It wasn't, I decided to get into bodybuilding, worked hard and won the competition. I had worked hard, obviously training for bodybuilding my whole life up until that point. And, and then somebody opened my eyes to something else. And I was like, Oh, wow. Oh yeah, I guess I could do that. And, and, you know, so the same thing, I've been working so hard for, you know, 20 some odd years in this acting world and, and, and everything I've been doing. And if I was guided into working hard to make my own thing, and bodybuilding is very personal. There's no team, it's you. And, you know, and, and filmmaking is, is, it's a team effort, but somebody has to make the decision to make the films. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's what we did. And, and if I could, if I could jump, I mean, so if it's been four years with this company and all of a sudden we're up here, you know, if you go back 10 years, you know, so if we would be, 
six years past all that, right? So who knows where we'd be? You know, we'd be six years in the future. If I'm doing my math right, that's a little... See, we should make a movie about that. <laughs> now, you know, like everything you're saying, um, and I appreciate... There's people that listen to this that would obviously be interested in terms of like, uh, in terms of like film creation, but there's people that are just not not involved in film and acting. But I think the takeaway is like, you just... You, you you sort of this has kind of been like the theme that's like salt and pepper the whole thing it's like you you realize the limitations that were imposed on you by others and you just really just took it by your you know and it, you make your own movie you do your own thing and this is where it gets you so just that's that's my takeaway at least that's what i'm sort of pulling out of that yeah i agree and that's it yeah. i mean that take take it into your own hands you know yeah. that if i give advice uh i don't know if you're going to ask that question but i'll take it to the next level if it's not just advice to me, uh, if it's advice to anybody, uh, I like to tell people, you know, there's no expiration date on a dream. And I've been in, I've been in LA for 15 plus years. I've been in the acting world for 20 plus years and I've never stopped, you know, and it wasn't until I, you know, took matters into my own hands to make my dreams come true. And, but, um, you know, I've seen people come and go. People come, well, I'm going to come out for pilot season. They're out here for six months. Nothing happens. They give up. They go home. They do whatever they're going to do. Uh, you know, people give it five years. People give it 10 years. And, and I'm not saying you can't shift, you know, whatever, but I've never stopped doing this, you know. And now I'm living proof that uh, sorry, something just popped up on my screen. Oh, no worries. No worries, man. Uh, I'm living proof that. There is no expiration date. 20 plus years I've been working at this. And, you know, no expiration date on a goal, on a dream. You just keep plugging along. You just keep doing what you do. Don't take no for an answer. And when, you know, if you have the opportunity, take it in your own hands and do it yourself. I love it. Um, and last question I wanted to ask before we, before we close this off, uh, where do you go to improve yourself? Like, is it a mentor? Is it a book, a podcast, an audible? Like what's your thing to sort of grow as an individual? Ah, my wife and kids. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they just inspire me, you know, every day those faces and that I never knew, you know, the level of love and, and deep connection and, respect it's my safe place you know i'm out there taking chances every day and i sometimes i take chances on their behalf that might have a detrimental effect on them and yet there you know i i i take time away from the family and i go out and i make a movie and i take time and i might not get paid i might not get whatever who knows it might not be food on the table and yet no matter how long i work how long i'm away how aggravated I am when I come home because I'm, you know, I've been falling off a horse for 15 hours or, you know, this, uh, you know, these sales weren't good, whatever the, whatever it, this crazy business brings, I come home and they're there with smiles on their faces and, and hugs and kisses. And my wife is my rock. She's my biggest supporter. I mean, if, if this grows and, and becomes something, you know, which we're hoping it will, you know, she was a huge component in supporting me through the thick and the thin and, and keeping me going. So if I didn't have that support system, uh, you know, I, I would be lost. Uh, I don't know if that's not a cliche answer, but I, I, I love my family. I don't, I don't care about cliche or not. I care about, I care about honest. And I think that that's a good answer. It's a very good answer. Um, how do people, how do people, you know, get in touch with you, watch your movie, check out, you know, more of what you're putting out there if they want to, is there, you know, websites, what socials are you on? Yeah. Instagram at kevinmakely.com. Uh, my Facebook is, you know, I'm, I'm bad at social media. I'm, you know, trying to get ahead of the Facebook. I think I'm going to turn my Facebook page into a, what they call a fan page because it's filling up yep. and I think you don't have it so many people. So I'm about to change it over, but at Kevin Makely at Instagram uh, is, is where to find me on Instagram. And, uh, you could watch Badland on Netflix. Obviously, if you don't have Netflix, you can rent it on prime or voodoo or all that, but also check out any bullet will do is our first Western. I love it. I think it's great. Uh, you can see it on voodoo free with ads Tubi. uh, if you have prime, you can watch it for free. Uh, and then another movie, big legend. If you're, if you're a fan of Bigfoot or creature features, that's a fun one. Uh, and you can see it in all the same places. I'm hoping now that we can ship those over to Netflix since the company has had some success. Uh, but check those out. And then also I'm working with Scott Lobdell. Uh, he wrote a lot of the X-Men comics in, in the nineties and he works, he pens, uh, the red hood and some DC stuff right now. He also wrote the movie happy death day. 
great friend of mine. We're working on a Badland comic, prequel stories of Matthias William Breacher, uh, to keep us busy in this time. Uh, it's an online comic. It's going to be free. So uh, check out Scott Lobdell on Instagram or at Kevin Makeley on Instagram, and uh, we'll keep you posted on when that. I mean, it's coming soon. We're 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 knee deep in it, so we might take some of our other properties like Big Legend and do comic versions of them as well, uh, just to have people, you know, something to look at during this time. So yeah, build the community. That's smart. That's very smart. Now's the time to do it. Everyone's everyone's sitting at home. So what else? Um, anything? Okay, that's all I got. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't uh, that we didn't discuss? I think it was a good chat. I, I think my mouth is dry. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say you're not drinking any water, man. You gotta you gotta get in like uh, you gotta get your interview cadence down. <laughs> my, my cup is way over there. Oh my god! I gotta go. Uh, that's amateur, buddy. That's amateur. Anyways, all right. That's all I got, man. I'm learning. That's good. That's good. Uh, no, man, this is this has been great. I, I don't, you know, like I said, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, watch Badland. And everyone, thank you. I can't thank you enough for watching and supporting. Uh, hit me up on Instagram. I do my best to get back to everybody. I don't have that many followers, but tell your friends. Everybody, start following me. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get into this social media thing, and I just love it. I love interacting with people. Like it's like. I think one time I had posted on, I, it was, I had this picture in the back here and it was May the 4th, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And it was a picture of me and my good friend Todd who happens to be in Badland. Uh, he was also the assistant director and a co-producer. And I'm holding my daughter and we're in front of the picture and it was May the 4th, be with you. And we put it up and Mark Hamill, you know, liked it. And I flipped out, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> Mark Hamill saw it. And people like, you know, and it's like, and, you know, and it can recreate those feelings for people. If, if you're out there and you like the movie and you, and you like me, whatever, hit me up on Facebook and, and I will get back to you and let's interact. It's, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan before I am anything else. And if I can, if I can bring that veil down for anybody, you know, and, and, and bring you into that world a little bit and, and, and bring you some joy or anything, you know, please uh, have at it. You know, I'm here, I'm here for everybody. And, and I love it. And I love you. I love everyone. It's just so cool, man. It's really man, cool. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're riding a high right now. I can tell. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Keep it up. I love the energy. And this is no matter what success. I've yeah. been at it too long to get jaded, man. So, you know. Good, that's, man. All right. That's all I got. That's all I got, buddy. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. I, uh, this was great. This is, this is you're, you're, you're cool. Let's do this again. That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, and peers. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds as it allows other people to find our podcast and lets our amazing guests reach even more people with their message. And remember, any rating is fine as long as it contains five stars. I'm Scott Clary from the Success Story Podcast, signing off. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. 
Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 